Just like the Kung Fu series starring David Carradine, The Way of the Apprentice is a long and hard-fought journey to knowing thyself. Learning the weirding ways of powder coating from a character like Master Poe is full of paradox. But is a wave of change coming? Are platitudes of the old guard still relevant? Or can a new way be forged? Enter Thresh 99, a man who believes the answer to that can be found in the dynamics behind the industry's beginnings, and that a woke generation of up-and-coming coders could actually reshape the industry as we know it. Find out how when you join us in this episode to discuss one man's journey and what he sees for the future of powder coating. Welcome to another edition of the Ross Coat Podcast. This is episode four. Who is Thresh 99? Well, in my five-second assessment um, from his Reddit profile, he's technical, intense when he talks about powder coating, yet lighthearted enough to enjoy a good old-fashioned 70s or 80s movie or sitcom. So welcome, Thresh 99. And why don't you just begin by telling us more about who this is and what you're all about in terms of powder coating? <laughs> Hi, Kim, and hello, Roscoe. This this is Thresh ninety nine, but uh, that's not what my mother named me. My mom named me Russ Akernak, and I live in uh, New England, United States. Awesome. So, how did you? Tell us a little bit about how you got into powder coating. And I know we're going to dive deep into the history of powder coating. Um, but let's talk more about your personal story for just a moment. How did you, um, what compelled you to become a powder coater? And was that your first uh, choice in career? Oh, no, God, no. That was not my first choice. <laughs> I, I went through uh, four years of cooking school, actually. I was supposed to be a chef. And this was back in the days before it was even popular. You know, now you've got Food Network and everybody's got Gordon Ramsay and Hell's Kitchen and Guy Fieri and all these wonderful things. Uh, back then, a chef was not a glorious thing. That was the labor of love. And uh, I had a, a catering business and I sold it and I, I wanted to take two weeks off. But you know, you can't go from, it's like a marathon. You don't just stop. You've got to keep walking a little bit to get your, your, your heart rate down. Uh, so I wanted to help my mother. She was a secretary for this place that did coatings and paints. And I said, well, let me, let me just go and help you guys out for a couple of weeks. I'll empty garbages or sweep up, whatever you want me to do. Uh, so I showed up, said hi to my mom and the vice president was there and he says, oh, so you're, you're past kid. And I said, yeah. He says, well, that won't help you. And he, and he you know, said, come on back to where the sandblaster is. Uh, I thought, you know, well, that, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Let's go, you know. He says, you know, do you know what sandblasting is? I said, no, I have no clue what sandblasting is. I don't know what any of what you do is. And I'm only going to be here for two weeks. So just by sheer accident, uh, just trying to help out, <laughs> uh, I started to get a job. And uh, they, they took a shine to me, you know. Uh, I found it very interesting. It was very neat. Um, I figured, well, you're going to put things in ovens. I know how to put things in ovens. It's, it's kind of close. <laughs> but did I, did I want to be a coder? Did I want to know anything about paint? Absolutely not. I couldn't tell you what paint was on the wall, nor did I care. I was going to go back to cooking. 
Um, and by accident, I guess 31 years later, here I am with a career that's that's been very good to me. It's extremely interesting. Never the same day twice in 31 years. Haven't seen it. Yeah, you know, I think that's really cool uh, what you said there, because, you know, obviously knowing the difference between painting and powder coating um, myself, uh, because I came from painting, um, you know, there are some interesting aspects or abilities that a person has to have in order to even get it or perform well in that. And I'm not sure. I'm going to eventually figure out what those abilities are. I mean, I think people either are designed to be a good powder coater and some are just not at all. Um, And it goes beyond intelligence and it goes beyond technical ability or understanding. Um, I know that has a lot to do with it. I'm not discounting that, but just I think that um, there is some kind of way or uh, that something that's in you that makes you a, a good powder coder. So, um, and so I, I, uh, I think, so obviously you got past the, once you got past the sandblasting, I guess, <laughs> and you got yeah, into the well, powder I wasn't coating. Even, I honestly wasn't even good enough to be the sandblaster. I, I came <laughs> up through the ranks. I was the sandblaster's helper if you could imagine such a thing. So I wasn't even good enough to be a sandblaster. But, you know, you, you stick with something, you show an aptitude towards it. And, and like like you said, you know, what, what makes a good powder coater? You know, right off the bat, uh, they, they were doing powder coatings and I, I was focusing on the paint on the wall because what did I know? What does anybody know when they first come in? There's no, you don't go to college for this. There's no school for it. Right. You got to look for nowadays people like me to, to teach um, so what makes it, I'll say this, and it's, it's probably the best way that, to describe it that I've learned in, in, in three decades. It is an artistic science. It's, there's, there's a lot to know about this stuff, but you, you know, it, it's like being book, book smart, but having enough common sense to put it together. There's got to be a bit of an artist in you. There's, there's your own personal touch. There's, there's coatings out there now when they say it comes to a, from a shop, I could tell by looking at the coating who did it. Uh, it's, it's that personal. So it's a personal gesture that, that helps a lot. I agree. And I think anybody that can get past the sandblasting part, because, you know, I think most people probably start with that. If you're learning or you're working for someone, you kind of do have to lick the floor or sweep the floor or get into the blasting part. But that's not really where the learning happens, uh, although there's lots to know about tricks about powder uh, sandblasting. But um, I think that's a good to say that if anybody that can get past that and then get into the powder coating, really, that's where they, you know, where the learning begins. But oh, sure, um, sure. So, t- okay, so let's back up and talk about more about what you're doing today. Um, and then, and then we can get more into the history of powder coating and how you got started. You know, obviously, we, we just learned a little bit about how you got started. But uh, um yeah, so let's let's start with that. You know. Okay. So uh, where where I am today? Yeah. Uh, so so basically, somebody will uh, you know there, I can go into two different directions. Uh, one will be I troubleshoot. So somebody will say, "Listen, I've got a problem. 
on a, on a production line here. This is what I'm encountering. Sometimes I could resolve it quickly. Sometimes I actually have to fly out uh, and, and take a look at what's going on. Uh, you know, and, and these are all, these are powder coatings. These are liquid Teflon coatings, performance coatings, any manner of coatings that you could think of. Um, and then in the other aspect is, is there'll be people who are just getting into coatings and they're, they, they did something in their basement as a hobbyist. And now they're, let's call them semi-pro. And I call these the garage workers. So you've got a nice little setup in your garage. You've made your, you've built yourself another, or you bought one. You've got a sandblast cabinet, and you're you're starting to gain some steam on the ground. And once these guys want to turn pro, um, there's really no guidance in the industry. Nobody shares anything. Uh, so that they'll hunt me down and say, "Well, listen, how do I get from A to B? Where's where's the alpha and then the Z on that one?" That's where I tie a lot of that together. Well, I can certainly um, hear, I can certainly understand that. I mean, that's been our struggle too. It's like, and that's why we've just kind of, kind of uh, taken the machete and cut our own path. But um, I think that's, I think that's a great um, offering or a thing that you do, because I think there's a lot of people that hear or listen to this podcast that are probably facing uh, some of those same things that your customers are facing right now. So I think that's great. And it's good to get it out there because uh, again, I think there's lots of gaps in our segmented market to that. We just don't communicate enough to each other uh, to, to kind of chart a course to growth and in business, especially powder coating. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy that you do that for people. Um, So, but, uh, what, let's start with the brief history of powder coating and, you know, maybe you can inter, interweave some of your own beginnings in the market, uh, but let's hear what you have to say. I did a little bit of research on powder coating before our podcast here, and there seems to be um, some, again, discord or difference in um in it, in the history itself. Um, do you know much about that? Absolutely. The, the, the people who, who taught me, um, and, and again, it's, I, I can, I, I didn't set it up this way. I was dumb enough to step in a, a, a pile of awesome on that one. So here we go. Buckle in everybody. Here are the facts. Um, and, and this is coming from, uh, this is coming from my memory, so of course, Kim, you could you could Google and play along and confirm all this stuff. Some things may be, you know, could be a date of 1945 or 1944, but I think I'm pretty close on this mm-hmm. for having been taught by these guys that that uh, we're going to talk about now. So everybody, um, not that long ago, like to argue that well, you know, 3M invented powder coating or Dupont invented powder coating. Powder coating number one person that it could be traced back to our grandfather is Dr. Daniel Gustin. And he was with Westinghouse powder coating was invented by Daniel Gustin. Okay. He filed for his patent, uh, I believe 1945 on well, May, May of 45. Again, I'm going by memory. So, uh, and basically it, it wasn't powder coating in the sense that you and I look at it now, if you truly want to go back to that, we'll say the name Henry Ford, Model T's, Model A's, and we'll come back to that. So Daniel Gustin was working for Westinghouse, and they put phosphorescence inside of light bulbs so that we, you know, the old screw-in light bulbs. 
he was looking for a way to make it stick to the glass. And he did it by electrostatic premise, which is we all work by electrostatics now. So he filed for the patent. Now, around the same time that happened, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Roy Plunkett, Dr. Plunkett, uh, he worked for, uh, I want to say, was it DuPont? It was DuPont. So that was over in New Jersey. So still, we're not in Europe yet. So he, around the same time period, I think it was even a year or two before, let's say 43, 44, Plunkett had invented PTFE, but everybody knows it as Teflon, polytetrafluoroethylene. They were looking for a new refrigerant, and it happened by accident, sort of like chocolate chip pancakes. Oops. Hey, let's taste it. Hey, that's pretty good. What do we do with it, though? So fast forward a couple of years. Now we've got better light bulbs, and now we've got this weird Teflon thing. Now, over in Europe, this is where Henry Ford comes into play. Henry Ford, it's commonly known that you could have a Model T in any color as long as it's black, right? Then he started <laughs> to get into colors. <laughs> so the spray booths would get lined with the paint. And it came, people, I mean, they, they tore chunks of it off to clean the spray booth. Well, as a joke, they named it Fordite. You can go look up what Fordite is. And that's just layer upon layer of spray paint that's been put on, a, in, on the wall of a spray booth over the years. Well, they become desk oddities because it's all over the place. So there was a salesman for DuPont uh, in, in Europe over in, I want to say, 56, 57, that was playing with a chunk of Fordite on his desk. And it's really neat, pretty stuff, but it has no real practical use. It's a man-made mineral, if you can call it such a thing. Uh, and he says, well, it's too bad because my wife takes a nutmeg and puts it on a, a grinder, you know, an essence grinder, and makes it into a powder. It's too bad we couldn't take this Fordite and do the same thing. It just so happens, whoever he was talking to said, well, you know, Plunkett, who invented Teflon, applied the electrostatic principle from uh, from Dan, Dustin, well, they make it stick to things. And he's like, really? So now we can, we can take paint, things that were thrown away in the old days and make money off of it, which is the main purpose of powder coating is business. So they started doing that and ball milling it and grinding it. And that's how it grew. That's why everybody says, well, you know, DuPont 3M and Westinghouse, really at, at unknowingly Ford, Fordite had a hand in modern powder coatings just because of this Fordite thing. But really, Dr. Daniel Gustin and uh, Dr. Roy Plunkett are the fathers of this industry, and that's how it came about. It just so happens that a piece of Fordite landed on a desk at, at DuPont in Europe in the 50s, and they started grinding it up because somebody's wife or somebody put nutmeg in a recipe, and the guy remembered that, and that's how it all started. I think that's a wonderful story. I, I, and I mean, it's a true story, but I mean, like, I think it's, um, for several reasons, uh, I think that it really kind of makes it easier to understand uh, instead of looking at technical drawings and trying to read patents and stuff like that, which I did yesterday. Um, and I think that really when it comes down to science and applications, it's just really, it doesn't have to be complicated, right? I think you, the no. way you describe the story and everything makes it just so much more simple um, and stuff. And even when I'm looking at the images from 
that were submitted to the U.S. patent by Daniel Gustin. Um, you can see, uh, which I'll put in our YouTube video, um, you can see that some of the uh, finished product looks like hammer tone, hammer tone finish mm -hmm. or textured finish in powder coating, which I believe is one of the first kinds of coatings that they had that they came out with, correct? Uh, very correct. So uh, again, you're in front of a computer. I'm, I'm walking around in my living room while I talk. So what what year was that? 1944, 1945, correct me? Uh, or the patent, somebody out yeah, there. the patent is 44. Uh, the 44, current assignee, have, yeah. CBS yep. Corp actually owns the patent now, or the assignee of the patent, even though the it, status of it is expired lifetime. So it's pretty much just oh, yeah. open knowledge yeah. now, but yeah. It's open format. So what we're what we're all doing is are from the days of him, and and this this phosphorescent coating. Now it will you ever see a lightning strike and it's got weird patterns to it. So that was the first coating that got put on these light bulbs. It was phosphor, and it followed this path of electrical arc, uh, and, and it, it has a path of least resistance. Therefore, it builds up on the strong spots and gets weak on the the uh, the, the lesser electron flow spots and leads to a hammer tone. Yeah, that's how it. Yeah. That's how it was done. That's not how it's done anymore. But that's how it was done. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw a little bit of um, uh, I guess a little bit of a, a something in there to kind of slow the slow this roll down a little bit because in my <laughs> okay. research here um i don't want to counter you but in my research yesterday there is this other story which kind of starts okay. with uh dr erwin gemmer um from germany yep. uh who also did something similar and i'm wondering there is this kind of uh different story going on. I know PCI has it on their website um, that he also filed a patent, although there is no U.S. patent. There is probably a patent, I'm guessing, in Europe or Germany where he started something too. Do you know much about this story as well? Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, Dr. Gemmer. All right. So that, that's where the whole European comes from. And now don't forget we're, we're in the time of world war two. So patents are very difficult and whoever gets to the patent office first usually wins. And then somebody who comes in a week later also got assigned like a subsection a or B. So that's how these names are coming up. <laughs> it's very tricky around the 40s and 50s, that type of thing, because things were in a state of flux then. Um, I, I don't want to bring up Einstein, uh, uh, Tesla, uh, but a lot of his patents got taken away in that manner or, or things of that nature. But he's also in there. Okay, so now we've got the German side of things. And again, taking an idea of, well, hey, my buddy down at this this place took some fluoridite and, and scuffed it up and he was able to make it stick to something. So he gets thrown into the mix too. And as the 50s and, and things like that progress, so it goes from one guy to two and then it grows exponentially. So now once you get past Gemmer, now there's 50 guys that know what's going on and it becomes rampant. And that leads into why we don't share a lot of information today, because all that back then equated to money. 
So 3M was losing money. DuPont was losing money. Westinghouse, all because things were getting stolen back and forth. Not that anybody stole anything. This is all brand new stuff. They're all inventing new techniques and ways and modern methodology. Gamma ties into the way that you and I and everybody else listening to this podcast is the way of thinking of powder coating is electrostatic or tribostatic application through a focused means to a metal substrate. And did he invent the Gema gun too, or is that it? They're just taking his name. And how, how do you know anything about that? He had, he had ways in there. So now he, Gema is, has not always been Gema, it's been Gema Ransberg. Uh, so Ransberg actually uh, invented the electrostatic device. And, and Gemma, Gema, however you want to pronounce it in German, depending on where you're from, uh, was, was directing him, no, no, it should do this. Or, you know, it's sort of like a designer making a car and then an engineer building the mechanical means through it. So it was Gema Ransberg. Now it's just Gema. Okay. I think this is really uh, intriguing to me because it does lead into today's uh, conversation about not about how we have this discord out there. Um, it's not just disinformation, but it's also discord about, um, you know, especially on the Facebook groups and stuff where you could throw something out on there and just get bashed. And it just turns into nasty comments really fast. And this just actually happened again on one particular site um, uh, group, and I'm wondering, is it is it? Do you think that that way is? It, are you saying that way is still kind of get getting carried on today, or is this just healthy competition? I guess it's kind of. No, well, I mean, you may look at it as healthy competition, but I, I think everybody who's in the hobbyist state now or going into professional, meaning like. Um, we're, we're, wow, we're making a couple bucks here on the side. Let's call it a side hustle, if you will. Um, but they're really starting to advance. I think a lot of the carryover from the, the first generation into my generation, which would be second generation, did an awful lot of damage in that way. And I think anybody facing the music now of, of gee, I'd really like to bring something new or do this on my own, unfortunately, is carrying the sin of the father over in a lot of that way. Because it was uh, like, let's let's say there's a stonemason thing. It's a very secretive society. It's passed on from father to son or master to apprentice. Um, and they did that back then because it would almost destroy a company or a whole way of being. That that need not be the way anymore. You know, now it's uh, you, you can go right or wrong, whether anybody is right or wrong in the gesture. You can Google or or look through your favorite search engine find out how to powder coat and you'll find 5 million pages. You can get videos on it. You can, you know, the, the information is being freely shared. We will never advance unless we open it up. And unfortunately, the modern coder, the third generation, what's going on now, uh, is getting short-sheeted in the deal because a lot of the carryover of secrecy still hangs on and that's got to be dispelled. It's, it's going to hurt us all. I agree. And I think that that's where I see a gap in, the, you know, taking that what you just said. And maybe that's what I'm seeing is there's this huge gap um, in the market. 
um, in terms of information sharing or community. Um, and that's part, part of the reason why we started uh, this podcast. And um, in order to build a community around powder coating that um, I guess we can all rally around because I think that the thing is, is powder coatings are so awesome. There's so much to gain. I mean, the market is just starting to open up on the consumer side uh, with uh, auto and uh, rim powder coating. I mean, to me, I just think that's just an expansive, huge, huge market. Uh, just everyday powder coating. I'm amazed here in Hawaii, as small of a state as we are, how many different things we've done that people just keep every day. They keep coming to us. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? It's amazing. And aside from, you know, maybe being uh, some guys being just, you know, maybe there's a saturation in your local area or geographic area um, with too many powder coaters. Aside from that, generally speaking, um, I think the at the more the consumer knows about powder coating, the more money we can all make. Um, and that's kind of been our message from the get-go, even as far, far away as we are. But um, so I guess with the internet and everything like that, I mean, the way I have to laugh because I've got this, I'm dying to get this Kung Fu thing going with the way of the apprentice because um, – <laughs> So, okay, I'm going to stop the podcast for a second and see if I can't get this. If anybody remembers this show, I'm going to see if it'll come through on my, and if not, I'll dub it in later. But um, does anybody remember the Kung Fu with David Carradine show? Master, I am puzzled. That is the beginning of wisdom. I have seen you laugh, and I have seen you cry, and you do not. We are taught discipline. The purpose of discipline is to live more fully, not less. But how shall I know if my sorrow is only the echo of self-pity or my laughter? of my own happiness. The bird sings in the forest. Does it seek to be admired for its song? Let tears come when your heart tells you of its sadness. Let joy come unasked, unplanned. All right. Well, I'm not sure if that played through, but if it did, I'll dub it in on the YouTube channel. But um, so, you know, uh, the thing is, is the the way of the apprentice. I mean, where are people supposed to get their information today? If I mean, they can get the first powder coating 101 class or powder coating 102. But after that, there's not really anywhere to go for more information other than getting in touch with you uh, to help them out specifically? Um, unfortunately, mostly yes. I, I was I was about to dispel that and say yes and no, because we've got, well, gosh, now we've got blogs and message boards and things like Instagrams and Reddits and 
uh, even Facebook groups. And, and you would think that with, with all the knowledge being shared, that there'd be ma- major uh, ad- advancement and um, brother and sisterhood in the, in the matter, but it's just not coming together. Some, you know, I, I see, um, and, and this is where it may get personal, just because of where I come from in the industry. I see a lot of misinformation being spread out there. Uh, for better or worse, somebody thinks that they're doing the right thing, you know, and um, they found for them something works. But then all of a sudden you start saying, this is how you do it, or you'll get clickbait titles, or you'll get somebody who's not as experienced. They don't know the why of what they're doing. And if you don't know why uh, you're doing what you're doing, you shouldn't teach the how. You know, the how is easy. I could read a book on painting. It doesn't mean I could pick up a gun and paint. Right. Um, so unfortunately, the misinformation is strewn all through the good information. And how do you pick through it if you don't know any better? And that leads to a very slow advancement. And unfortunately, it leads to somebody new getting very frustrated going, well, how, how am I supposed to know? Um, you know, that again, there is no school for this. And, and we'll lead into you know, a little bit of how I got to be me and, and how, you know, I'm, I'm a, a descendant of, you know, of Plunkett and all that. But unless you're taught father to son, so to speak, how do you know? How do you pick through things? Well, sometimes somebody will come up with a podcast and bring some people in who, who kind of make sense when they talk, even if they talk too much like myself. And they'll, they'll encourage you, well, Try these simple experiments, you know, prove maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it only works for me. Maybe it only works for this guy or, or this humidity. Try it. You know, here's what you should look for. The person that I found to be most helpful in all this everywhere that you go is the person who is trying to put money in your pocket and none for them. That's the kind of information you want to look towards. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just for me, coming from a um, I mean, I guess coming from a marketing background and stuff like that, it's like, there's, um, it's not just the technical side you have to know and obviously producing a good product, but then you have to market yourself, which just leads to a whole nother, uh, huge uphill climb. You know what I mean? For, for oh, people sure. just starting out that don't have the privilege of being second generation or third generation. I mean, it's amazing when you go to some of these websites, these powder coating companies, and then they, that's, that's their talking point on who they are. And I mean, good for them. I mean, they, they've got these accounts that they've had for years and years. And it's not to say that their struggle hasn't been hard, just as hard. It's just that they're established, but yet there's an army of powder coaters that are just starting out that are marching towards this other side. And at some point there's going to (laughs) be something happening in the middle, which maybe we can talk about in terms of trends in the industry or what you see, what is the future of the industry? You know, Um, the trend is the mindset, you know, and, and not that I, I know you've got a direction of flow here, but you know, you mentioned something very critical, and I, I want everybody listening to really pay attention to this. So we're going to go on to a website of a, a powder company and ask them for their advice. Do not forget, their core 
belief is to sell you product, not to help you. That's not saying that it's not worth something and that they're not good and they don't have good customer service. Every one of them uh, has got stunning customer service and, and are very knowledgeable about their product. But at the end of the day, that that help section, that blog, that that um, you know message board section of how do I do this, what do I do this, it's all designed around their company, not yours. Think, you know, just remember that. Right. It's almost like, you know, I mean, all these data points you get when you're on social media and and Facebook and YouTube. I mean, they're tracking you, right? I mean, they're tracking Absolutely. you, and then they're using that data against you, right? So, uh, against you, you know. for you, with you, however you want to slice it. But I mean, if, if I'm uh, I don't think it's unknown out in the industry to, to say um, Eastwood and Columbia Coatings and even to some point Tiger Drylac. You know, these are all people that are selling you things and they're wonderful companies. Don't get me wrong. I know each of them personally. I've dealt with them for years and years and years. But at the end of the day, their their main function is to sell product, not not to that that strengthens your business. But the, the right. core of of learning how to code is is on your the coder's shoulders, not on the suppliers. Correct. You know, and yeah. it's it's go to message boards that don't have anything to gain or lose by telling you the information. Listen to the common sense, and the more we share, that's the trend in the industry. See if everybody got onto the same page, then we would command the industry. Hey, we need this now. Right now, the industry's ahead of the coder only because of the trickle down theory from the industrial. But if all of the, the and, and I, I don't say this as a disparaging term, but the hobbyists, so like the, the one employee or two employees and under type of uh, crew, if everybody got together and unified and knew all the same things, then everybody would get together and say, well, we need new coatings. We need new equipment. We need reasonable equipment. I don't want to spend $800 for a fluidized hopper. I want something that's when it's going to just go into the stratosphere. Once you guys marry up with each other, and 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 uh, get together and unify. That's when the industry is going to go through a massive change. That's going to be the big one. I think that's awesome, um, and that's the kind of change I'd like to see as a custom coder uh, owner as well, um, because I think there's a lot of upside that could happen if we get together. Um, of course, I see that too. Uh, because of our own um, launching of our patina powder coating system and how we're trying to get that out there. I also, you know, got my eyes wide open because I know the minute we release it, we're going to have those detractors. And what Mm -hmm. are we going to say about it? You know what I mean? Because that's the first thing they're going to go to is they're going to go for the throat, like, you know, on the technicalness of the, of the finish and stuff like that. So, well, yeah. There, there's always a critic, isn't there? You know, there, there's always, right. and, and that's to be expected and that's to be wanted. You know, I mean, it, you, your, your critic will keep you honest. You know, somebody who's, who's a sycophant, a big fan, oh, you're great. You're not doing anything wrong. You're, you're stagnant and not improving. You know, somebody who's a critic and says, yeah, but there's this little mark over here. That, that's, you know, there's value in, in hearing that. Don't, don't always be mad at the critic. You know, there's, even if you say a hundred words, two of them have use to them. So it's okay. Right. All right. Well, so far, Russ, this has been going great. I've really enjoyed a lot of the, um, 
you know, a lot of the information you've given me and validated for me too, in terms of my own research uh, on the history of powder coating. What else would you like to talk about today? Because I'm just going to leave it open to you. Oh, you don't want to do that. Holy cow. How, how long <laughs> do you have in this podcast? <laughs> Um, so let's, okay, so let's, let's touch on some things that, that a listener at home can do and confirm and say, you know what, this guy, I, I don't like him. It's fine. You don't want to be in my fan base you, or you want to be a critic. That's fine. I stand in line, but call me out on it. Let's see if I know my worth. You know, everybody has a problem of what is this problem? I've never seen this before. The powder's acting weird. There's bubbles here. Everybody loves to... Nine million times that I read it, it's outcasting. It's definitely outcasting. It's not always outcasting. Guys, come on. So why don't we do this? So let's run an experiment. This is darn near free. What is outgassing? What is a, a chemical mark or a wash mark or things like that? So many times I see, what is this problem? And I try to go on the message boards and help and say, okay, give, give me what you did and I'll tell you where you are because it's what I do. Well, it's definitely outcasting. How do you know it's definitely outcasting? Have you ever purposely created a failure to learn what it looks like? Here's my advice to everybody listening. Create a failure. Okay? So take a part that's blasted and then take something like acetone. Wipe your finger on it, which everybody loves to wash things down in acetone. And that's a big no-no on raw metal, guys. Wipe your finger on it in a streak, then powder coat over it. Learn what that looks like. Hang it up on the wall. The next time that you see a failure, you can go to your wall and say, hey, here's what happens. My fundamentals were off. I wiped it down with acetone. I remember this because I did this on purpose. Now I don't have a problem. That's speed. That's efficiency. That's learning. That'll keep you a better coder. Create the problem. Take a piece of cast aluminum. Coat it. Learn what outgassing actually does look like so that when you have something come up, you can say, I wonder if that's outgassing. Let me go to my outgassing chip. Nope, that's not outgassing. That's something else. When you know what it isn't, you eliminate the practicality of failure and you can advance more. I, I think that's a great strategy. I never even thought of that. I mean, it beats the hell out of like, I don't know, learning on cue where you've got a deadline or a customer, a particular, a, a picky customer, and then you're sitting there till two, three o'clock in the morning um, or you're cursing, you know, your powder coat oven or you're, you're being hard on yourself for no reason. And it's just a brilliant way to, to do that instead of, uh, uh, the way my husband learned. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way we all learn. Don't think in 30, 30 years that I haven't messed up some things. You know, circle back to that. Ask me what I've messed up. That's going to be a fun <laughs> talk for everybody. But uh, taking from a scientist perspective, now, mind you, the people that yeah. I learned from, that the, Charles Evans, who was in the top 100 book of American chemists, who's who studied under Plunkett. And John Carlin worked for DuPont in Europe in the 50s under Ransberg. So, yes, I was familiar with the name. These are the people that I learned from. And they took a scientist's approach. So I had to sit there. And, you know, you think you're done in high school. I'm done with book reports. I'm done with homework. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) 
it was sent into overdrive. Everybody listening to this and tell a friend, get a book, write down what you do, gather data. You, it's a must. Is the day 80 degrees and humid? Is it cold and dry? What happens? This way, when you come up against the problem, and I have come across some doozies in my time, you can go back into your notes and say, well, I had a mirror black poly and it was a very humid day and this happened. Well, what's today? And I had a problem. Hey, it's a humid day, 80 degrees. I'm using mirror black poly. Aha, this is what I did to fix it. Speed, efficiency, and fundamentals. You must have your fundamentals. Without them, you have nothing. You will always chase your tail and make problems for yourself. I know. You know, I was talking to, um, okay, uh, I think his name is uh, Corson, the guy that's running PCI uh, board mm -hmm. right now. And um, he called just to check in on our membership uh, and stuff like that, see how we were doing and stuff. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, summertime's always so hot and it's hard to get those powder coating, that powder coating finish just right. And I'm looking to my, I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? Like we're in 90% humidity every freaking day in Hawaii. I'm like, you're complaining yeah. about three months out of the year. I'm like, wow, it really kind of um, opened my mind up to what my husband has to put up with every day, 365 days a year here in Hawaii, and how on it he has to be every day uh, battling that humidity. But he has found his way, uh, the way of the apprentice, the way to the mastery, right? To the, to yep. the Kung, uh, to reference the Kung Fu movie one more time. Um, and I think that that also plays a part in building that community, too, is by sharing your way um, doesn't necessarily mean in the next state over or in another part of the country, it's going to work for them either. But at least sharing it like you are today, you know, sharing your experience and stuff like that um, can help everyone and know where, you know, yes, maybe some asshole out there is going to take your business if you share too much. I don't know. But like it's all it's all just everybody's way. Um, and there's no way we're on a human journey, um, too. And so is your business. It's just it's still about humans and customers and uh, presenting the best quality product you can. Right. Absolutely. And, and let me dispel that myth of if I give up my secrets, that means my business is gone. That is 100% false. It's, it's a proven, it's a bad carryover from, from not only the generation that I learned from the first generation, but you know what, my generation too. We, we laid this on you guys, all you guys thinking that if you don't keep it a secret, it's going to go away. Well, guess what? Uh, we kept our secrets and then it all went to China. And we didn't share. And a lot of people, and that's how the hobbyist movement was born, by the way, is a lot of the NAFTA agreement. Um, it, it, good and bad, I guess, everywhere. I'm not going to argue a political fact. I never will. I don't really care. But all these guys that got thrown out on the street with, with their coding jobs, you know, the, the individual hobbyist gun has been around for a lot longer than everybody thinks. It's not a new thing. I used to use them when I first started. 
Um, and build the quality has not improved. So that, that hasn't changed any, but a lot of these guys, you know, that the, the company was wholesaled out into a dumpster and they grabbed the coding gun and went to their garages. And that's how the hobbyist format was built. They didn't share, you know, it, yeah. you will never be without a job if your quality is superior. Okay. Yeah, so there's right. enough out there for all of us. There really is. I, I invite anybody to come into the same town or the next town that I am in now and open up their shop or do what I do. And you know what? We're both going to eat. Why? Because you and I will become stronger because we'll be partners, not because we're going to fight each other. Um, back in the old days, you know, uh, our shop did one thing and then another shop only did Teflon. Then another shop only quoted by the pound and did on furniture. Everybody had their own niche and there was plenty, plenty of work. There still is. So sharing anything, it's only going to make you stronger and it's only going to build network. I fully and highly encourage it. You guys got to stop um, the secrecy. There is no secret. <laughs> it's true. I even, um, I had that happen when I first got into furniture refinishing and um, I, I learned from my college, uh, which was a professional college, not related in powder, in painting or powder coating at all, but just, it was a vocational school. And one of the things they taught us was to network um, and to reach out to those people already in the industry to make friends with them. And, you know, so, you know, I went with that training and I called up a local refinisher here on the island and he was old school, like the guys you're talking about, you know, and here I am like, you know, all of 20 something and thinking I'm like, hey, I want to get into this. I think I could do this. And and I said, you know, just letting you know that if you have a job on this side of the island, you know, because we're kind of our island is sort of separated in terms of, you know, drive and stuff. And, and he, if he didn't want to come down from where he was to see a a job or whatever, I'd be there, you know? And he goes, what do you want me to do? Teach you all my secrets. And then you take all my business away. And I'm like, I was floored. Uh, I was like this long pause. I didn't even know what to say. I just said, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And then I got into it and I perfected my craft, my craft because I, I basically came up with my own way to refinish and I turned all the furniture from whitewash to uh, a wood effect. And I was self-taught. And then I ended up taking over his market just because I was just that much more superior. My finish was superior. Of course, Russ was there all along, um, you know, helping me out with my finish and stuff. But I was the one that hustled the business and stuff. And and the thing is, is nothing, industry to industry to industry, nothing doesn't it doesn't change i mean that same method we applied to our powder coating uh business so when we decided to go in we, we came in with that kind of knowledge that we could just be the best because that's who we are you know absolutely absolutely yeah. and, and how much faster would would you have gotten to that level had the guy just shared a little bit and trusted and said all right you know here's somebody that that is showing interest in the industry and uh, I'm I'm going to help teach them. And you know what? They're, I, we're, we're nice enough. Good neighbors make good fences, you know, so they're going to be a good neighbor to me. And 
you know, that they're, they're going to be known for quality and their business is going to come up and I'll always have a job when they throw it my way. And if there's something that I don't want to do or I can't do, or that's in their, your wheelhouse, Kim, I'll throw it your way. We all get to succeed. You know, it's like the stock market. Everybody likes to think, well, I've got to crush my opponent. You know, the Gordon Gecko theory, greed is good. I'll crush my opponent and I'll take all their money. You know what? We can, we can all make money. We can all succeed as, as the, the stock does good for everybody. We all do good. Think about it that way. Yeah. I, you know, and the thing is, is what if I just hung up the phone that day and said, yeah, he's probably right. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. What a well, loss. What point? a loss. You know, like, I mean, more of a loss, right? Because I ended up being really good at it. Or, you know, we ended up doing a lot of jobs um, because we didn't just, you know, shudder and say, yeah, he, he I can't possibly compete. Um, so really, uh, and I think this leads into the whole uh, market research that we do because, Really, it is a, about discovering your brand, um, you know, part of it, we, which is why I wanted to interview Roro uh, a couple weeks ago, because I, I, he had this, he has this brand. And I think that that's really what more or less, once you are getting more comfortable with your powder coating, um, that's when you need to start you know, building that brand, building your message, crafting your audience who is your audience and getting and asking those deeper questions about where you want to take it from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the whole sharing of knowledge, everybody, you know, impress me. Don't share your successes. Don't show me a picture on Reddit of how good you are. Wow. Look at this. And and it's always great to see you guys do different things. And I, I like it. I try to, you know, hit the upvote on everything. Show your failures too. That's how you're all going to learn. Hey, listen, I purposely did this. I I put two different powders together, a red and a green, and I make them look what it makes. Okay, so now we all know in the future. Hey, wasn't there a guy that did this on purpose? That's what it makes. Ah, there must have been powder in my gun. That's how you're going to learn. You're not going to lose anything. You're only going to network further. You know. If, if right. you're if you're a bicycle coder, like let's say you you specialize in old Schwins and Huffies and things of that nature, well, I'm not going to teach anything what I know because you know they're going to take business away. Number one, they'll take business away if your quality is subpar. All right, but even if it's not, do you know how many bicycles are out there? You can't coat them all <laughs> yourself. You're not going to run out of things to coat, guys. I promise you. And when you do, let's say you and I and everybody that coated everything, coated everything on the planet. Don't forget the purpose at the end of the day of what a coating does. It is sacrificial. It may look pretty in architectural. It may be performance-driven in making things slick like a Teflon, but it wears away. It's sacrificial. It constantly has to be redone. You know, it, is the paint on a 1957 Chevy as bright as the day it was applied? No. Sometimes we've got to repaint the car, so it's got to be redone. You're never going to go without. Don't be afraid to share. Nobody's going to take your business. There will always be more business than you can handle. If your quality is good, your quality will only be good if you share your information. I think that's a great way to end this um, and th- have our uh, listeners um, out there think about what sets them apart um, in order to grow. Because you're right, it, there isn't, um, there's nothing new under the sun. So think about what sets you apart. 
and know that the industry is going to be there to support you and and grow by more the more you share because the more you share the more customers are going to hear about you uh, and know who you are. Uh, so I think that's a great way to end today, Russ. I thank you so much for sharing what you have. I certainly want to have you back because I have a feeling we've only really touched the surface about what you can tell us about uh, your uh, about what you've accomplished and and just tell us more. Um, what absolutely. do you say to that? Tips okay. Tips and absolutely tons of tips and tricks out there. Your fundamentals are important. Your air exchanges. There's so much to know and learn, and you're not going to compress 30 years of knowledge in 30 minutes. And neither are you with any of your other podcast uh, uh, speakers or listeners. So I mean, it's an ongoing process. Yeah, I just really want to bring about variety um, to the show for the listeners, because, you know, obviously some subjects will be more interesting than others to certain people and just, uh, just, you know, kind of mixing it up a little bit. Um, and, uh, so now, okay, just tell us like you're found on Reddit as thrush 99 or thrush, thrush 99. Um, yeah. P H R E S H nine nine on on the uh, powder coating subreddit is where I found you or where we found each other. Uh, but where else? Uh, you said you had some other uh, um, uh, profiles. So where else are oh, you I'm usually a, found? Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a guy behind the scenes. I've gone to companies, blog sites, um, and message boards through the years. Usually, you can find me as nonstick. Because uh, that's that's my stock and trade Teflons and purpose coatings things like that. But uh, I'm around. I'll find you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, uh, listeners, we'd like to again thank you for supporting us, following us, um, and uh, hope you've learned something new about your powder coating business today. Please comment below, uh, follow us, like or share the podcast. Uh, and um, if you have a topic that you would like to discuss, just email us at info at Maui Powderworks. Russ, thank you so much. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate you and, and everybody listening. I truly do. All right, everybody, uh, have a great day and uh, enjoy the show. <laughs>